You're listening to audio provided by Valleydale Church. To find more resources or to donate to this ministry, please check out valleydale.org. So it's good to be home uh, in our home church here at Valleydale. Sherry and I are just, uh, we love our church. We love all of you. Uh, we spend a lot of time sometimes doing things uh, uh, around the country, and it's always an honor to get an opportunity to actually preach and teach here at, at our home church. And Sherry and I love doing that with, uh, uh, you know, with, with Barry and, and Courtney and Blake and Whitney and, and our life group. And, and this opportunity, uh, Mac actually uh, is enjoying his sabbatical. He texts me uh, as soon as I got up today, and he said, hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you. And I said, well, thank you, Pastor, for trusting me. And he sent back, and he said, well, no, I wouldn't go that far, <laughs> which was very encouraging uh, today. So let me talk about one thing. I do serve in the men's ministry, lead the men's ministry here. We have a very active uh, strong men's ministry here at Valleydale. There's no greater gift to uh, the church, uh, to the family, and to the pastor than to have a strong men's ministry. And we do. We're working a strategy that features not just challenging men, which has been done for quite a while, but we take the next step, and maybe the most important, we actually equip men with, with uh, curriculum designed for men in small groups. And we also have D groups uh, for men that are available. So this Thursday night, men's ministry is a little different and you can find out about the men's ministry and the women's ministry in the lobby today. But men's ministry is a little different, things like this. And this is a strategy, and I have to put it on Barry. Uh, when he first thought of it, I thought, what is he thinking? That we will actually feed men 21 different chilies and then go into a service. <laughs> Why do I sense, Barry, we may hear an unknown tongue? Uh, but... Um, but any, anyway, that's what we'll do uh, Thursday. It starts at 6. We're going to eat out here in the parking lot, and then we'll go into the theater for the service. Blake Prime will be speaking. Uh, Kirkwood will have uh, some of the guys there. We'll be uh, praise and worship. Uh, and uh, so that'll be coming up Thursday night. If you, You're welcome. It, it doesn't cost anything. We'd love to know that you're coming because we want to know how much chili to have. I think we got 21, like I said, different guys that are, that, are, that are cooking. And if you'll go out in the lobby, you'll see the men's and women's ministry. Just let us know that you're coming. We'd love to see you. And you can find out how to get into one of the small groups. You can find out how to get into a D group. Uh, you'll hear a great message from Blake. And we'll also hear from Fathers in the Field again on Thursday on how you can come alongside that great ministry. So I also want to say... And, I, and she actually watched the first service, uh, but my mama, since we're talking about adoption and children today, my mama turned 82 on Friday, so we've been celebrating mama's birthday this weekend. And I want to say that I am so thankful that I had a mama that tore up my honey. I'm glad my mama spanked me. If my mama and, and daddy had not spanked me, I'd be in the penitentiary right now, no doubt about it. And I, I thank my mom for that. Now, this was old school. Now, we didn't have, have you ever noticed, and I want to be, you know how sensitive I can be. I don't like to upset people. And um, have you ever noticed, though, when, when pa parents tell you that they don't spank their children, that they really didn't have to tell you? <laughs> they said, you know, we don't spank our, our children. I was like, oh, no, we had that when they were climbing up our curtains. No, we had that. <laughs> Uh, so uh, when you were counting to them, honey, don't make mama count to 10 now, honey. And uh, so, um, so we didn't have any of that. Uh, my mama didn't count. 
Uh, the only version of timeout we had was me asking Mama for a timeout while she was spanking me. Mom, if I could just get a, we could stop this. My mom would spank us in public. Oh, no, and, and, and when I was growing up, that was, you would be applauded for that, that you were keeping your children in line. Uh, my brother and I made the mistake of deciding at a department store that we would hide in the, in the dress racks and scare women <laughs> when they would come over to push, and we'd go, boo, you know, like that, and the women would jump. So my mom took us out of the, the dress rack, and, and she spanked us there in the department store. Of course, the women were not upset. Nobody was traumatized. Police wasn't called. I mean, people were, like, asking her, would you mind spanking my kid before we go? Uh, you know, maybe one day I can spank these boys for you. I mean, everybody kind of worked together. Uh, and I remember being upset. You know, it embarrassed me. It broke my little heart, and it broke my little spirit. And, and I said, Mama, why did you whip us in front of all those people? And she said, well, you picked the place. I didn't pick the place. I mean, y'all picked where you're going to do something wrong. That's where you got spanked. So, uh, so anyway, happy birthday to Mama, and, I, and I'm thankful for that. Um, so let's, uh, let's look. We're talking about adoption today, and, and we've been very clear about this. And we're going we're to we're put a message out, out, out in front of us today that will challenge us. It will. It has me preparing for it and just preached it a minute ago, and it was very challenging. We had uh, two men that, uh, that I talked to that... This was kind of a, a, a big moment for them, and, and they, they, they were seeking some, some redemption. We, we had another person who said, hey, I've never been baptized, and so we're gonna, you'll, you'll see that person get baptized. So we did have some decisions happen in last service, and, and we'll see what happens in this service. But, so we're going to put the, the, the question before us, okay? I don't know about you, but, but when, I was, when I was growing up and trying to figure this redemption thing out, uh, you know, being immersed in the Bible Belt, I kind of adopted kind of a cultural Christianity. I certainly believed the right things. I was never agnostic or atheist. But I almost felt like there was this place that doesn't exist, by the way, in Scripture, that, it, you know, I, I wasn't quite a child of God, but I certainly wasn't a child of the devil. Well, the unfortunate part of that delusion is that's not what the Bible says. It actually says you're either a child of God or you are a child of the devil. There is no middle ground. So if you're not a child of God, then you're a child of the devil. Amen. And that's what Scripture says. And, and so we kind of created this middle ground that really doesn't exist, and that's where I immersed myself too much of the time. And what brought me to redemption is what we're going to talk about today. And that is the Bible actually tells us what to look for to determine whether we're a child of God or we're the child of a devil. Uh, we are the child of the devil. So I'm actually going to start in Galatians, and then we'll go back to Romans 8. But let's start in Galatians. You know, here's Paul, and, and, and you see this is a running theme with Paul. And, and he's, he's writing to, to the, the church at Galatia, and he gets in chapter 4, and, and he's been talking about, you know, that, uh, the, the, what, what we have in Christ. And he gets to 4, and he says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And, and ladies, you can, when we say this, you can say daughters there too. This is, this is just about people uh, that have become his children. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. So what does Jesus do? We have a problem. How are we adopted by God? How do we become a child of God? Well, regeneration. It has to take place. Transformation, as we sang just in the song. 
Thank you for the transforming blood. Okay, so there must be regeneration. There must be transformation in order for there to be redemption. Why? Because God is holy. The Father that we seek is holy, perfect. We are not. So it is impossible for us to say, adopt me, adopt me, holy God, while I remain sinful. It's not possible. He can't do it. And see, what we tend to do, which is a mistake, and I've been as guilty of it as anybody, okay? What we tend to do is we tend to take the attributes and the character of God and pick our favorites. Let's say these are two pillars. What we like to do is say, well, y'all tell me that over here, God is just, God is wrath, and God is holy. Well, over here, God is love, God is grace, God is mercy. Let me elevate that one. I like that one. Well, we don't get to do that. These are equal pillars. You, you, and sometimes people say, I'm going to elevate wrath, a judgment, and holiness, and I'm going to make you feel like you have no hope whatsoever. Both of those are wrong. They're equal pillars because it is the justice the wrath and the holiness of God that makes me understand my need for the grace and the mercy and the love of God. I mean, it, it, we keep calling him Savior, but if I don't know what he's saving me from, I may think I don't need a Savior. But what Paul is saying is, no, a regeneration has to take place, and that regeneration for us to be adopted by God is Jesus. And then the Holy Spirit comes into the person who is unable to be a son or a daughter of God, and the Holy Spirit takes that dead spirit of sin and brings it to life, and then the sanctification process starts where we feed that spirit and we start becoming more like our Father. The question is, do you see that in your life? Dallas Willard said it very convictingly in the book, The Spirit of the Disciplines. He said, I fear the Western church has really failed. We keep selling the power of the gospel too low. People think that, that somehow God's seed, which we're going to get to, comes into their life, the presence of the one and only living God, and eh, it doesn't really change anything. No regeneration, no transformation. I'm just not going to hell now. That's not what Scripture says. Scripture doesn't say that at all. I mean, think about what we're saying. And I was this way for far too long. Yes, I've been redeemed by Jesus, but it hasn't really changed anything about me. You don't look like a child of God. Well, I am. Why? Because I believe the right things. Well, James says that's not true, that the demons believe the right things. Satan believes the right things. But have you left your own authority? Have you repented of your sin and you've been regenerated by the righteousness of the blood of Jesus, so you now can be adopted by a holy God. And the Bible just says, if I want to know whether I'm a child of God or not, I just look at my life. And one of those is, do I see regeneration? Adoption is how we enjoy the spiritual riches of God's family. But adoption is only achieved through turning from our sin, leaving faith in ourselves, placing our faith in Jesus, who then makes us righteous, and we can be adopted by our Father in heaven. We cannot be adopted without regeneration. We cannot be adopted without repentance. And Scripture is extremely clear on that. But here's the beauty of the adoption. You realize under the old covenant, they wouldn't even say his real name for fear it would kill them. 
We, we had all this, but, you know, when, when Matt, if y'all missed this, if you're not a member here, we went through the tabernacle and all these things between us and God, all that Jesus tore away. And now if we repent and leave our own authority and confess Jesus Christ as Lord, he so regenerates us and makes us so righteous, we don't just, we don't just cry out to God as, as this obscure God of heaven we say, Abba, Father, which is endearing like a child in here would call his daddy. We have that kind of intimate relationship. But if you have not been regenerated, and I have not been regenerated, you are not adopted by God. You are a child of the devil. And there's no in-between. Our spirit being renewed by the Holy Spirit bringing us into an intimate relationship with God the Father, so much so we can call him Abba, Father, which is what they would call their daddies in their homes in the Old Testament. So again, we see the Holy Spirit is the spirit of adoption. Now, I want you to look at what, what, what happens when we go now to Romans chapter 8. Now, see, in Romans chapter 8, as Chris just read to us, it's going to get even more detailed about what it looks like if we're truly a child of God, okay? So in Romans chapter 8, this powerful chapter of the Bible that we love so much, in verse 12, Chris read this, So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. Now, let's don't even move before we, get, before we stop there. So if I've been adopted by God, who do I owe the debt to? Not your flesh, because you sure couldn't do it. You couldn't, you couldn't be good enough. You couldn't follow the law to the letter. Your flesh can't do it. So what I would ask you is what I had to ask myself is, and when I was studying this, do I live my life paying the debt to my flesh when it demands to be pleased? Does it get my attention more than my spirit? And the spirit is saying, no, God needs to be pleased. And my flesh is saying, no, I need to be pleased. Can I give all of you a heads up for, for, for the biggest sinner in the room? You know what your flesh will never say to you and never say to me? I'm good. Thank you. I'm satisfied. How many more people we got to see get everything that the flesh says it wants and they're never happy? Never. I mean, you ever, you ever see the sign, how many of you ever go to national parks and stuff, do not feed the bears? You ever see that? You know that's not about the bear. You know, some people say, well, the bear shouldn't be eating candy and stuff. No, that's not what it is at all. Well, the reason why they tell you that, if I've got 100 marshmallows, and I, I'm rolling them out to that bear, this is like the flesh, and I get to 100, you know what the bear never says? I'm good. Thank you. I'm trying to cut back. 100 marshmallows is good for me. You know what he says? Where's the next one? I don't have any more. Well, then I'm going to eat you. Well, that's the way the flesh is. You're telling that bear, come on in here. I think I can satisfy you, and if I don't, you're going to kill me. That's how the flesh is. So you, we're not in debt to the flesh, and I will tell you, I spent too much of my life feeling like I was in debt to the flesh. But that's not what we are, not as children of God. Look, look, look what happens in 13, just what I said. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. Now watch this. To the children of God, the regenerated, the redeemed. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you're going to live. Now, how do we do that? C.S. Lewis talked about this quite, quite a bit. 
He's writing during the time of the Nazis, and he said, you never really know the power of the Nazis if you just go along with them. You'll never know. But if you want to know the power of the Nazis, oppose them. And so what happens here is, he says, once we've been redeemed, it's the same thing. Because we, before we're redeemed, before we are adopted by God, we have what? A dead spirit. It's dead. We, we're born with a sin nature. It has to be redeemed. So our spirit's dead. That's why the flesh keeps getting its, its way. Well, when the Holy Spirit comes in, when you say, I repent, I want to be regenerated, I want to be adopted by God, I want the righteousness of Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God comes into our spirit, makes that spirit alive, and the flesh begins to fight for its life. And the one you feed is the one that's going to win. Are you feeding the flesh? Or do you feed the spirit? Does our life as children of God, our life should be this. I just started the day, and I need to feed the Spirit. I need to be in prayer. I need to be in the Word of God. I need to be in the house of God. I need to be with the people of God. I need to be with my, my, my brothers and my sisters. I need to be focused on Him first, and then everything else. It, everything else is pathetic compared to God. Well, that's feeding the Spirit. But if you feed the flesh, that's going to lead to death. 14, for we all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. So who are the sons of God? This would be daughters too. Those that are led by the Spirit. The Bible just said that. Are you led by the Spirit or you feel like you're led by the flesh? Because those led by the Spirit, that's who they are. Hey, who is this person? They're led by the Spirit. Must be one of God's kids. Must be one of his sons. Must be one of his daughters. They live their life. They're going to be led by the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit says no, they don't do it. If the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit says yes, then they'll answer that call. They live following the Spirit. They don't live following their flesh. That's according to the Word of God. Look at 15. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons and daughters by whom there it is again. We cry, Abba, Father. There it is again. You know what he says? If you're a child of God, you're not led by the flesh. You don't fall back into that sin. You don't fall back into that fear. You don't fear everything you're not supposed to fear. You only fear what you're supposed to fear, and that's God. You ever see that in our society today? We fear everything we shouldn't. But we don't fear what we should, the holiness of God. Just fear God. Everything else will be fine. I got news for you. This is all going away. If you're worried this is all going in, you're right. So be right with him. So then he goes on to say this. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children... Uh, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. And then comes the part, and everybody's like, yeah, this sounds good. I like this. I like this. And right now we're going to be co-heirs with Jesus. We're going to rule with Jesus. We're going to be side by side. He's going to walk us into the presence of his father and say, there with me. Here's my brothers and sisters. I like that. And then Paul says, hold on, provided you suffer with him. And, you know, we say, oh, well, I, think, I think I'll just be a ch child of the devil. He lets me do whatever I want, provided you suffer with him. And you ever say, what did Jesus say every time? Count the cost. Deny yourself. 
Pick up your cross. I thought you were just going to save us. Deny yourself. Repent. Pick up your cross. Die to yourself. I don't share my glory with anybody, including yourself. But what do we live in in a society that says, worship self? It's all about, matter of fact, well, it's even crept into the church. You would think through some of these modern worship songs that God's just enamored with us. That he's worshiping us. We're not worshiping him. That, but that's not true. If you refuse to repent, and you and I refuse to be regenerated, and we're not made fully righteous, he will throw us in the lake of fire. Know that. The good news is he won't, and all he said is, I provided it. But if you don't want that, don't think it's just all going to work out, because it won't. Because he's holy. He can't help it. He can't have anybody walk into his presence that's not fully righteous and not with his son. He can't do it because of who he is. And see, we, we got to understand, listen, this is important. Those of us that think God needs a PR agent, he doesn't. We don't have to make him more palatable. Okay, here's the deal. Regeneration, this is important, regeneration is not us trying to make God something we're more comfortable with. Regeneration is God making you and me something he's more comfortable with. Because he's holy. And to become a child of God, regeneration must take place. Transformation must take place. And who transforms us? The Son and the Holy Spirit. Have you been transformed? Have you been regenerated? You know that's how I came to Christ. I don't know if you knew that or not. I walked into a church and the guy asked me if I was redeemed. I said, sure. He goes, okay, let's, let's talk about your life. First of all, the first thing he noticed is, what am I doing at his church? You don't have a church? No. Nope. Haven't been to church in 13 years because you ain't got to go to church to be a Christian. I made sure he knew that. And, of course, he quickly informed me that people are not going to church in order to be regenerated. They're not going to church in order to be redeemed. They go to church because they have been redeemed. They want to be where their father is. They want to be worshiping him. They're drawn to his house. They're drawn to his people. He draws them in because they have been redeemed. They're not going there to be redeemed. They're going there because they are redeemed. And if you don't have a desire to be here, that'd be a red flag with me. It was with me. I never thought I would like to go to church, but I do. Why? Because I've been regenerated. I'm not who I was. I've been transformed. I didn't have a desire for this. He gave me a desire for this. I didn't have a desire to study his word. Never. You know, you know what I did immediately when I realized that I wasn't growing? I thought, well, how have I become an expert on everything else that I deem of value and love? I sure was an expert on those things. Quite knowledgeable. So it wasn't that I didn't have the ability to be knowledgeable about the Bible. I didn't know the Bible because I didn't care about it. Because everything else I cared about, everything else I loved, everything else I valued, I was an expert. So if you're still using that excuse, it's the lack of desire that should be your concern. Because when you're regenerated, I can't explain it. I just love this because it's about my father. It's about my daddy. And I want to know what I'm, what I'm supposed to do to be his son. So it, it's quite clear that we will face 
suffering and persecution as a child of God. And I want to, before I leave that point and go to the children of the devil, I want to make this point. The Apostle Paul said to the church at Ephesus, here's what he said about persecution and difficulty as a follower of Christ. You know what he said? I love this. I'm going to paraphrase this as a C student from Calhoun County, but this is exactly what he said. If I wanted to get along with the world, I wouldn't be a follower of Christ. If I don't want the world against me, I just wouldn't be one of his. I just wouldn't do that. He also tells Timothy what? Tell all, tell all, not some, tell all who choose to live a godly life, who choose to be like their new daddy, that they will be persecuted. Not they might, they will be. Do you, has, has your faith cost you anything? Has your regeneration cost you anything? Has your transformation, it cost Jesus quite a bit. See, what, this is nothing we always say when we get this wrong. We look to the cross, brutal, gross, gruesome. And what's our first thought? Look how much God loves me. Look how merciful and gracious God is. All true. But you know what else we're supposed to see about our daddy? Look how serious he takes sin. Look how ugly sin is to him. Don't miss that. That's also the message of the cross. But we don't do that, do we? But maybe we should. And maybe if we realize that and we think to ourselves how gruesome and ugly our sin is and how God sees it and how he hates it, maybe we would too. We wouldn't be so flippant about it. Paul, in 1 Corinthians 15, 9, and 10, was so serious about this. He says what? I shouldn't even be an apostle. Paul, I shouldn't even be an apostle. And he says why? Because I persecuted the church. I, I, had, I had zeal for God, and I was passionately wrong. I was jailing. I was killing. I was beating those that were followers of Jesus. I rejected Jesus as Messiah. I persecuted his church, and for that, I, I needed a huge amount of grace. He even talks about it in Acts when he's being interviewed by Luke. Thinks about Acts 20. He says, you know, I stood there while they stoned Stephen. I stood there. I, I, I directed that. I made sure that happened. So, so that's on him. But he says, I know the only thing good about me is the grace that I've been shown. God's been gracious. God's been merciful. And he has loved me when I was unlovable. And so we're all in right now. But then he says something that we usually push back on. And I'm going to live and work harder than any of them. He's not trying to earn redemption. He says, so that Jesus never thinks his grace on me was in vain. That, that's my thank you. That's my response. That's who I'm in debt to. I don't want to take sin so lightly because look at what that says to Jesus. He, he, he redeemed me when I should not have been redeemed. I didn't, I didn't deserve it. So what I want to say back to him is watch me serve you because I love you. And Jesus, I love you more than sin. That was my problem. The sin that remained in my life for far too long, I had to come to the conclusion it was there because I just loved it more than I did Jesus. And why did I love my sin more than I loved Jesus? Because I didn't know much about Jesus. I didn't love him because I didn't really know him. 
I'm never going to love somebody I don't know. But when I started pursuing him and I got to know him, I loved him. And when I loved him, I started obeying him. I guess he was right when he said, John uh, 14, 15, that those who love me are the ones who obey me and the ones who don't are the ones who don't love me. You ever dumb down scripture to make yourself feel better? Well, turn with me to 1 John then. Let's go to chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. Now we're going to look at the children of the devil and see what they look like. And then we'll review and then we'll be done. John had an issue because the Gnostics had come into the church and they were trying to tell people not to worry about their sin. There's no way Jesus took on human flesh and was sin, sin, and sinless. No way he did that. And they said, so don't worry about it. Your sin is not a big deal. Everything's going to be all right anyway. Well, John actually had been with Jesus when he preached what we can find in his, his, his gospel, John 15. And he says, I was there. That ain't what he said. He didn't say that. He said that there's a transformation and a regeneration that takes place, and we don't act the way we did before. And listen what he says. First of all, he talks about what we've been talking about, us being children of God. Chapter 3, verse John. See what kind of love the Father has given to us? That we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that they did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. That's when we're glorified. But we know that when He appears, in order to glorify us, we will be like Him because we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who thus hopes in Him, listen to this, purifies himself, holiness, because he's pure. But then he goes to four. So he's talked about the children of God again. But here's four. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared to take away sin. And in him there is no sin. Here we come in six. No one who abides in him, underline abide about three times. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Wow. You don't see people put that on a bumper sticker much, do you? Well, well here's what's happening. John is correcting him. He said, that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said to us, which we now see in the gospel in John 15, here's what he actually said. He said, if we abide in him, now we got to know what that's about. What does abide mean? That's not a casual statement. Okay? That's not a casual statement. Abide means to act in accordance with or to make a decision to remain. It is aggressive. It is intentional. And, and Jesus told me, and I was with the other guys, we were touching him. And he said, if we abide in him, and he abides in us, because apart from him we can't do anything, that we take ourselves the branch and connect it to him, the vine, and his father, the vine dresser. He's so powerful. If we abide in him and we, we cling to him, we connect ourselves to him, that he will produce through us his power so much fruit, it'll prove that we're his disciple. So what's proof of being a disciple and a child of God? What fruit's flowing out of you? Does it look like God or is it like the devil? He said that we, those of us that are with him, we look like God. And he produces it. We don't. It's a one-step program. Abide in Jesus. It's not a 12-step. Abide in Jesus. Repent. Leave faith in self. Put your faith in him. 
I, I literally, when I'm struggling spiritually and I want to grow and I'm concerned about the flesh that is still alive, I, I, I figuratively picture myself sometimes just wrapping my arms around his waist, burying my head in his chest and saying, don't let me go. Change me. Well, that, that's intentional. That's aggressive. That's not casual. That's not flippant. And here's what he says. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. A practice of sinning. He's not talking about a mistake. We still make mistakes. But he is talking about a sin nature that should be gone. There should not be deliberate, perpetual, habitual sin. And what is he talking about? You claim to be a child of God, but say you're someone in here that struggles with porn. I know that's not anybody. But, you know, it's one thing for something to have showed up that you wish you hadn't seen, and it, and it came into your life, and you, you saw it, and you looked at it longer you should, you repent, and you say, Jesus, your conviction, your spirit is so in me. I feel so awful about that. I should not have looked at that, and I, please forgive me. Let me get rid of that. But a child of the devil, you know what that person does? I've got a plan to watch it, and I'm going to plan, and I'm going to do it every day, habitually, perpetually. I don't feel guilty about it. I, it so owns me. I, for some reason, I'm thinking that Jesus can't free me from it. But what's happening is I so love this sin that I just love it more than him, and it satisfies me, even though it leaves me with regret, and I'm going to do it. I'm not going to stop doing it, and I don't have any conviction about it. I didn't just hear a story that I shouldn't have passed along, and I shouldn't have done that, and I go back and I apologize. No, I gossip all the time. I didn't just say something that wasn't true, and I went back and said, hey, I said something. I shouldn't have said that, and that was, wasn't, wasn't quite the truth, and I, I don't know why I said that. I kind of panicked in the moment. I was afraid to tell you the truth, and I'm going to correct that. That's not a child of the devil. You know who the child of the devil is? I lie all the time. I always lie. Jesus said that when we lie, we're speaking the language of our father, the devil. You see the difference between stumbles? Will the disciple of Jesus still struggle with the sin nature? Yeah. But a disciple of Jesus on this side of glorification does not give in to it habitually, deliberately, and perpetually. That's according to Scripture. It doesn't matter what I think about it. That's what Scripture just said. So Jesus goes on to say, No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. Why? He doesn't leave you hanging, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning. What? No, the conviction is too strong. Correction's coming because God's seed is in there. When we get wayward, correction comes to the child of God because he's got God's seed. Notice he said cannot. That's back to that changing scripture to make it more palatable. Matthew 7, I used to say, well, Jesus says, you're right, a healthy tree should not bear bad fruit. Should not. Do my best. Keep bearing bad fruit, but I know I shouldn't. That's not what Jesus said. In Matthew 7, because he's trying to clarify who's really with him and who's not, he's, a lot of people talk about me. But let me tell you this. A healthy tree, one that's abiding in me, the vine, a healthy branch, it cannot bear bad fruit. He didn't say should not. He said cannot. And here again, here's John, inspired by the Holy Spirit. He said, if God's seed abides in you, you cannot keep on perpetually sinning. Can't do it. 
not because of our great self-control, but because of the power of God. Why have we dumbed him down like he's so insignificant? Can't change me. What are you saying about God? What am I saying about God? That's blasphemy. Saying on one hand he's the beginning and the end, saying on the other hand he can't change me? He raised himself from the dead, but he can't change me? He made the blind see, but he can't change me? He's going to defeat everybody who opposes him without our help, and he can't change me? He's just going to kill him with his voice, with his word. Kills everybody in about 60 seconds. And he can't change me? No, I might just be a child of the devil. Because if I was a child of God, he'd be changing me. And that's what Scripture says. And it says it next. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. It's like that pastor told me that was used by God to save my life. You know, he said, Rick, come on. I'm paraphrasing, but the message was this. It's evident who you belong to. You don't belong to God. And you know you don't. It's evident. What does the evidence look like compared? Right now, you're, 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 the jury's coming in, and they're going to decide whether you're a child of God or the child of the devil. And they've heard all the evidence about you and me. Which one would they say? Based on the obvious evidence. If they ruled that you're a child of God, they will say the person looks regenerated. They look transformed. They do not habitually, perpetually, defiantly sin. They suffer for Christ. It has cost them something. They are being refined. They are being disciplined. They're producing holiness. They love his church, and they love righteousness. And the last thing he says, nor is the one who does not love his brother. You know what else they love? They love his church. They love their fellow brothers and sisters. They're not backbiting. They're not causing trouble. They're not stirring up. They love their brothers and sisters. Now, he says, if you would be ruled as a child of the devil, then the jury would say this person practices sinning. Uh, they, they do not pursue righteousness. They do not love the church. They do not love their brothers and sisters. They do not obey God's commands, and they do not adhere to God's standards. That's right out of Scripture. So which one are you? Which one am I? A child of God or a child of the devil? The stand. Thank you for listening to this recording from Valleydale Church. To find more or to connect with us about what you just heard, check us out at valleydale.org.